Hallelujah. So good to see you out. Hallelujah. That is good. Man. Our first next level men's meeting of the year. Amen. It's, it's good to be back with you. Uh, you know, I really haven't connected with uh, most of you in, in the men's setting since, since our r- retreat that we went on back in October. And, uh, man, we had a great time on, on that outing. Did, did you believe we had a great time back in October? Well, we've already made, uh, already made provisions and, and scheduled for this year. So mark your calendars for October 5th and 6th. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a, uh, another men's retreat, um, probably the same place, unless, unless we find out it's booked already or something. But it would be down at the, in May Pearl at the uh, Lakeway Retreat Center. But, man, we had such an awesome time, um, you know, out there. And understand when we were in Africa that you know, Rick did an amazing job in just preparing your heart, you know, being proactive, you know, proactive in your family, proactive in your role at church, proactive in, in, in the things that God's called you to. Amen. If you weren't here for that, I encourage you. And you can go, you can always go back and re-listen to these messages. You go to heritageoffaith.com and just go to the men's ministry part of the page and it has everything on SoundCloud and I encourage you to go back and listen to these things. These things, these are things to cause us to grow up to become the men that God's created us to be. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to grow. Yes, man. Amen. Amen. I, I, I am grateful for redemption. I'm grateful for... Man, it's so good to see you. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, man. I, I didn't know you were in town. Yeah. Oh, good to see you, Kermit. Good to see you, too. Amen. Well, it's good to see all of you. I just haven't hugged his neck in a long time. Man. Thought he, I thought he would become a missionary for long term to Arizona. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, and so anyway, just, just, I want to grow up. And, and so the thing, the thing is, is I, like I said, I appreciate redemption. I, I'm grateful for, you know, I think the word says such a great salvation. I'm grateful for that. But you know what? It, it's, it, there, there's this aspect that, that it's, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for his grace but, but you know what? He, he didn't save me for me to stay at that plateau. It, the, whole, the whole understanding is that we continue to be transformed into his image and his likeness. You know, that, that you be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To becoming like Christ. Yeah, we were, when we made Jesus the Lord of our life, we're, you're just as righteous as you're ever going to be. But the issue is it's walking out in the victory of what you called, what, what you've been called to do, Amen. Amen. Jesus had to grow. It said he grew with favor with man, and favor with God and man. He had to grow up in the Word. He had to, he had to grow up in what God created him to be and called him to be. You know what? And you and I are no different, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, man! I, I I love our times together, and uh, man, just looking forward to where we're going this year. Last year, our theme for the whole year was making of a champion. And we referred a lot to Lester Summerall and, uh, you know, and with his book about in the life of Nehemiah and, man, challenged us in a lot of ways and, and brought a lot of growth in my life and, and believe it did in, in yours as well. And, uh, and, and, but this year, just about after our retreat that we went on, just praying about, okay, well, what, what about next year for, for Next Level Men? What, what about next year? And this phrase kept coming to my heart, and I just me- kept meditating on it and thinking about it. And, and every time I pray about you guys and praying about this aspect of ministry, he, he kept saying this phrase to me, breaking the mold. Breaking the mold. <laughs> Hallelujah. Breaking the mold. And, and so I'm going to be laying a foundation for that tonight and, uh, because it's important. I believe foundation is always important. 
And because you have, you have two, two molds, you have the world mold and you have, you have the idea of being conformed to the image of his son. So there's a, there's a mold, so to speak, that, that we, we are a product of without even knowing of it, knowing it. And, but there's this mold, it's breaking out of this worldly mold and stepping into the mold of what God has called us to be as men, as fathers, Amen. as sons, as, as husbands, as business owners, yes. as employees, yes. as ministers of the gospel, as missionaries, whatever it is. There, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a place that God wants us to get to in our walk with him where, where, where we step into things we never thought we could step into. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, I'm going to refer to our, our motto and our, our vision statement. Uh, I think it, it has on there with the picture of me on there, my smiley face there. Um, hallelujah. Our purpose is to create opportunities for the men of heritage to come together, connect, grow, get free, and go to the next level in life. Our attitude is this, we refuse to go back, give up, or plateau. We will rise and be the champions we were created to be. Um, Freddie, did you hand out the papers? Have they been handed out yet? Let's, let's hand those out. Hallelujah. Thank you. you know, while they're handing those out, um, because I just want you to see this, because I, 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 before, last year I, I talked about these were descriptions of, of character. And, and where we talked about, you know, step up, speak out, you know, uh, stand strong, stay humble, those things. And, and so this year I'm labeling them, you know, these are our statements of faith. <laughs> these are our declarations of faith as men, all right? And so I want you to get that, uh, get that outline there. don't have a whole lot of blanks for you to fill in tonight. But, um, but with this, I want us to read this together. As I said, it's, our, it's a statement of faith. It, faith, it's our declaration of faith. Amen. It's, it's as, you, as you speak this, you know, add your faith to this. Because this, for me, this is, this is the kind of man that I want to run with. You know, this is, this is the kind of man that I want to do life with. I want, I want, to, do, I want to do outreaches with. I want, I want to impact Crowley with. These, this, is, this is how I want us to grow. Amen. So you, everyone got a piece of paper? Hallelujah. Next level, statements of faith. Let's read together. Step up. Be a man of action. Assume it is your job in your moment. Hate apathy. Reject passivity. Refuse to live as a spectator in life. Speak out. Silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Be courageous. Fear God, not man. Speak the truth in love. Stand strong. Don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. Above all, refuse to compromise. Stay humble. Be vigilant against pride. Get the log out of your eye. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Serve the king. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, his righteousness. Hope in the eternal and live for a greater reward. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We believe we receive. Amen. Hallelujah. As we get into this breaking the mold and... I'm going to, I'm pulling actually from a lot of different resources as the Holy Spirit directs me. So it's not going to go through one book or another or just, just kind of as the Lord uh, directs us and, 
And um, you know, through this, and like I said, I'm going to pull from different resources and mater- materials that have changed my life or that are ministering to me at the moment. But everything is going to be about you know, b- breaking that mold, so to speak, and becoming something extraordinary. And, and as we get into this, I, I want to read something out of this book. And, uh, and you know, the very first phrase in the first chapter of this book is called The Irresistible Husband. <laughs> the Irresistible Husband, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, so you, you can go home, you can say, look, I'm just irresistible, you know. Um, and the very first statement of chapter one is it, it's, it's kind of this, he has this one statement. It says, it's not all your fault. It's not all your fault. This is a book by uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. And just amazing uh, ministry uh, as it pertains to men. Um, and if you need any resources by him or looking for any resources, Troy back here is, you know, he, he, can, he can hook you with anything of, of his materials. And we probably make some of those available throughout this year because I believe it's powerful materials to, you know, to, to grow. But he makes a statement, it's not your fault. It's not your, it's not your fault. And so it's kind of like, it's, wait a minute, okay, so it kind of just lets us off the hook. It's not your fault. You know, so, so this whole understanding, and I want to read this paragraph too. It says, we're men, we're not angels. We're not computers or machines. We're not supermen or action heroes or champions of the universe. We're just men. And we were placed on this earth by God as stewards of his creation. All he expects of us is to be men. He knows the struggles we encounter to achieve manhood, to be real men especially in relationships with women, the hardships we face as we become greater men. A great part of our fight today for our manhood and for our marriages arise from the culture in which we live. Culture is composed of customs, traditions, art, music, language, literature, institutions. Our culture is marked by a steady spread of immoral behavior that weakens family life, promotes disrespect for authority, and insults the practice of personal responsibility. In our worldwide community, in civilization as we know it, culture is the culprit. You know, I, I, I want to deal with this. And, and so, so let's uh, turn our Bibles to two scriptures, Romans chapter uh, 8 and Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. Breaking the mold. Thank you, Father. These will be our foundational scriptures throughout the series. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Conformed to the image of of his son. This is this is God's desire. This is his heartbeat. When he looks at humanity and he looks down at humanity and he saw lost humanity. This is what he envisioned. He predestined. And you people say take that scripture. Well, you know, well some people are predestined and some people aren't predestined. Well, God just no, predestined. he he wishes all men to be saved. Amen. There's not a, I, I, I'm not, I don't believe in Calvinism, all right? <laughs> you know, it's not, I, I don't believe there's some sort of predestination that some people have the opportunity to be saved and some people don't. That's not the kind of God that I serve. 
And so here, this is his desire for humanity, that you would be, that we would be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what the mold that he sees when he sees Tommy, he sees the image of his son. When he sees Corey, he sees the image of his son. When he sees Danny, he sees the image of his son. When he sees Newman back there, just met him tonight. You know, he sees the image of his son. That's, that's what he sees. Now, you may not be that right now. You may be far away from God, never made Jesus or your Lord your life. But you know what? You've been predestined to be conformed and molded and shaped into the image of his son. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the image of his son. When people see me, I want them to see Jesus all over me. When I talk, I want people to sense Jesus coming out of my, my words. When I walk into a room, I want them to sense the love that Jesus had to be the same love that's on and in my life. I, I want that to be part of my... I want His attributes to be my attributes. But often we live in a, a society, in a world where we want to take our ideas and we want to take our opinions and we want God to match up to us. Instead of, instead of, you know, the whole point is that we would become like him. Now let's look at Romans chapter 8. 12, I'm sorry. Romans 12. Thank you, Father. It says, I, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Meaning, I'm coming to you. I, I want you to get a whole. I beseech you. This is, this is a matter of importance. This is, I beseech. That's like saying, Art, this is one of the most important things that you're ever going to hear. This, I beseech you, brethren. He's talking to, 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 to Christians here. Christians that were in Rome. Roman citizens. Brethren, by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Meaning... I don't want you to be shaped by your culture. You see, our lives, where we're at, how we think, what you did before you got saved, everything is dependent and predicated upon the culture you were born in, the culture you were placed in. You are a product of your culture. And Paul says here, don't be conformed to your culture. The Phillips translation uh, says this. So just listen. It says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies, meaning everything that you are, as living sacrifices, consecrated to Him and acceptable by Him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. You see, what, what I see here is he's talking, to, he's talking to Christians here. And see, when they made Jesus the Lord of the life, they became new creations. So all of a sudden, technically, spiritually, their identity changed. 
But so when it says this squeeze, I like the squeeze. What happened is you're so much bigger, but all of a sudden you're now let the culture squeeze you into its mold. So here it says, he says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good and meets all his demands and it moved towards the goal of true maturity. Hallelujah. Now, this was written to the Roman church. There's some things I wrote that I, I, I may want to read. and just kind of just follow my heart here. Now, now, get this. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Rome is one of the most godless cities in the world. Godless cities in the world. And, and, and that's in, in, in the first century. Godless. God was not there. They worship so many other things but God. And I believe as Paul's talking here, I believe he's really saying, saying if, if we want to see real transformation, we need to awaken to the fact that the world we live in isn't neutral. What does that mean? The world isn't neutral. Meaning we don't live in a society that is, that is, I guess I could use the word amoral. Meaning it's just, it's just neutral. We, we don't live in that type of society. The society we live in is not neutral. Meaning it's not, it's the society we live in is, is, is going to pull you in one direction. And, that, and I'm not talking about necessarily, I'm not talking about, I'm dealing with the world here, Right? Don't let the world squeeze you into the mold. So Paul's going to the, the people that were in those godless na- city, the godless region that ruled a lot of the known world at that time. And he tells them, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. What is he saying? He's saying, because the world isn't neutral. Meaning, if you're going to have your ideas shaped by the world, you're always going to miss the mark. You know, we know the, the, the word says that Satan is the God of this world. We know the word says the enemy goes about seeking to whom he may devour. Hallelujah. They know that, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the God of this world, so to speak, this cosmos, so to speak, this natural world is not neutral. Ever since, it, 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 it has never been neutral since the fall of man. Because of the God of this world. Hallelujah. You see, Paul, I believe, was speaking to the Romans because he wanted to, them to identify and to confront the forces that they were dealing with. Confront the forces that, they, that, that were undermining their, their faith. Here, here they are. They're trying to serve God with all their hearts. And Paul says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. They're, they're, they're hungry for God. They're desiring God. But Paul's writing to them says, don't let the world squeeze you into your mold because the world is always going to try to undermine your faith. Undermine what God's created you to be. You know, it's kind of like trying to bail water out of a boat when you should have just started with working to, to plug the hole. You, you see, so this, the whole aspect of the world is it's not, it's not let's just keep bailing water out. You know, for your life to change, it's not, okay, let me just keep bailing water out. No, you got to plug the hole. You got to, we, we've got to plug the hole. 
And so Paul's really telling them, how do you plug the hole in your life? You don't let your life be conformed to the world that you're in. Don't let the world fit you into its mold. Hallelujah. You know, Paul was asking the Romans to consider the larger things that might be at stake. See, see, to live in Rome, everything that Rome was doing was to try to make them become Romans. Our society that we live in, everything that we do is trying to get you to become American. You know, so we're here, we have different backgrounds, whether you came from a Latino background or you came from an African-American background. But everything in society is trying to label you something specific and try to label you that because that's what you're supposed to be. And you're not a success until that happens. So everything that was going on in Rome was to try to make someone a normal Roman citizen. How exactly does the world shape us into its image? It was a, a pastor was, was talking to his eight-year-old daughter and asked her a question and said, and said what, um, uh, asked her a question. And so all of a sudden the eight-year-old daughter just, just turned and just with a real sharp attitude said, whatever. <laughs> this is eight-year-old daughter. He's like, when, who taught you how, that you respond to others that way? She said, everyone. Everyone. You, see, see, an eight-year-old was all of a sudden just revealing to this pastor, how is the world shaped? It's by everyone. It's by everything around you. There's a, there's a philosopher, and I don't, I don't suggest you go out and read after him, but his name is Michael, I'm probably not going to say his name, Michael uh, Foucault, and he was a, he, he, he's known for writing a book called The History of, the History of Madness. And he was a philosopher and Marxism and, and different things like that. And, and, but he had this, he said, he said he called shaping, he called this shaping people into the worldly mold. He called it the normalization of the individual. Think about how these forces press us into the, wor- the view of what's normal. You see, everything that we face in society, that you face day in and day out, is all about the world telling you what's normal. We see it in every aspect and arena of life. You see it in education. Almost all education is secular, even at a kindergarten level. At the college or graduate school level, belief in God is often seen as childish at best and a serious intellectual impediment. Media. Media is pervasive. Marketing. One commenter said that, that we see more advertisements in one single year than someone that lived 50 years ago their entire lifetime. Economics. We learn from an earliest years that more is better and better is not enough. The supreme value of life is how much we can acquire. Success is defined by one word, more. Sexuality. The message of our culture is that sex is just pure physical. And modesty is something that should be shunned or laughed at. Religion, all religions are seen as equal and valid. And to claim that one is true and the others are not is cultural treason. The only belief you can hold with conviction is that there isn't any true form everybody belief. You see, but this is the society that wants to call you normal. But you know what? As Christians, we were never created to be normal based on world's standards. You see, Jesus taught about the power of culture. 
We, we see this in a couple of different aspects. We see it when, uh, when the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, we know there was two sons and there was a father. And, and the one son went to his father and, and said, give me what, what, what's due me. Give me my inheritance. So the father takes and he divides his inheritance with both sons. And the one takes his and, and, and said, he looks to a country. He looks to a country that's far away. And he goes for that country and it says that he devoured his living and he wasted it. He wasted it in living, going to a foreign country. Now, you know what? Not one place in that scripture did it say that Satan took all his money. Not one place did it say that Satan devoured all of his living. The culture is what destroyed the prodigal son. Now, we know the God of this world, but, but it, it wasn't Satan coming along and, and stealing this guy's finances. It was because he had allowed the culture to tell him what normal was, what's right. And what happens is when you let culture define it and you give yourself to it, I guarantee, I guarantee at some point you're going to wind up empty inside. You know, Jesus dealt, dealt with an aspect with the whole aspect with, um, we, we, we talk about the sower sows the word. Right. And the parable of the of the um, of the, the, the whole deal with the seed. And, and he talks about four different soils and he talks about the good ground and, and we like good ground. So that's 25 percent. He he talks about another type of ground. That's 25 percent. He deals with two other grounds and that's 25 percent. And so so here we look at the man and we just say, well, well what about the good ground? Well, that was 25 percent. But there was only one ground where the enemy came and stole the word. See, the enemy in your life is probably just 25% of the issue. And we like to blame the enemy. But the other two issues had to do with the culture. It had to do where they were planted. It had to do with everything that was going on around them. So, you know, you're a product today of your culture. You're a product of, of what you have gone through and what you've dealt with and, and, and what you faced, how you were raised and so forth. You're a product of it. And, and, and so, so a lot of times we're, we're going around and, 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 and people like to, to condemn the devil or, 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 or confess this and, and all that. And, but the issue is, the, the problem is, is that your mind and your life has been shaped by the culture. And so that's why, God, that's why Paul is going to them and saying, look, don't let the world fit you into its mold. You know, we, we see this throughout the Bible, and it wasn't because God necessarily didn't like this people group or that people group. You know, when, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and he tells them to go to the promised land, the land of Canaan, there's seven different people groups in that land. But he tells Israel, he tells them, this is your land. You need, you need to go in and take control of it. But you know what? They didn't listen. And, and the issue wasn't because, because God liked them more than he liked them. The issue was that they served other gods. The issue was is they burned and sacrificed their children. The issue is is they, they served goddesses. They served all these different other religions. And God said, said, go in and you need to destroy them. It wasn't really them, but you need to take control of their culture. But they didn't. And what happened is they ended up being seduced by their culture. 
You see it in the life of Solomon. He says, he says, you married, you marry this woman. And he said, don't marry anyone outside of this people group. It wasn't because it wasn't because God was racist. The issue was this is when Solomon gave himself to foreign wives as he started worshiping their foreign gods. That was the issue. Every issue that would put Israel into bondage every single time was because they became subject to the culture instead of living above the culture. Hallelujah. The bottom line is our life is shaped by culture. You know, I had, I had a stronghold of pornography in my life. 12 years of age, and, and you know, I, I know exactly, I know the day. I know the moment when it became a stronghold in my life. 12 years of age. I didn't have internet and, at, at that time. But it, it was because, and, and my, my father's a good man. And, my, and, and the Lord's done amazing work in my father's life. And so you just see, my, I don't only look at my father and think he's this, this failure, this loot. My parents had a great marriage. They, they've been married for 52 years. Amen. Amazing marriage. And, and so, but I found, you know, when I was 12 years age, of age, I found, I found a, a beta cassette under, under, his, under, under his bed. Thank you, Father. You know, and so I had, at, at, at a young age, you know, that became a stronghold. You know, if I let my mind, if I let my mind go to it, you know, I could still, I could still remember what I saw. You know what? And I'm 44 years of age. But you know what? It wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't. Now, see, the God of this world, understand that. I'm trying to make the, the, the separate, the, the, there's the God of this world but it wasn't Satan making me do that. It was the culture that I was in, and I received something from the culture of my home, and because of that, it became now a stronghold in my mind. And I had to deal with it for a number of years. A number of years I had to deal with that, all stemming from from. Just seeing a beta tape that turned into another movie, another scene, another movie, another thought, into where to where to where it, it, it affected my it, it affected on how I my dating relationships. I didn't know anything about dating because my image that I had was what I saw there. So now it's it's shaping that. And the thing is, if you don't deal with the culture, the thing is, is 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 you're going to continue to go that direction, even though you're born again. The thing is, the culture is still is where you're getting your mind from, and and you're and you're and, and but the thing is, is we've got to deal with the root. You have to deal with the root of what's of what's going on. Hallelujah. See, it's easy to be overwhelmed by the culture. It's easy because we're inundated with it. It's everywhere we go. Everywhere you go, everything you listen to, every video you watch, every, everything from social media to news, it's trying to shape your thinking in one direction. 
If you look at media, that's why it's so difficult to look at media today because everything is shaping your mindset in a particular thing, in a particular vein. If, if, if you're a university student, you know, then what happens is, is there's nothing there to, there, there's no one, it's just like the whole aspect with evolution. Evolution has never been proven, but yet it's something that is taught, it's preached, is declared, but it, yet it's a theory. Has never been proven. It's mathematically impossible for evolution. You know, so the, the whole issue is it's, it's culture pointing you. It's this. Well, that's how you do it. This is the way you do it. That's how you do it. This is what success is. This is where, and, and so, so the next thing you know, if we're not careful ourselves, our children after us, and our parents, next thing, we, next thing we know is the culture is what's making every single one of our decisions, but yet we, then we add Christ to it. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the culture around us. Instead of being consumed with the culture of Christianity. Now, now think about this. Imagine in your thinking, Paul's writing to the Romans. First century, century Rome. Get this. He's walking to a, just think if you were a person in this time, you're walking to attend one of a, a local house church gathering. And while you're walking there, you have to pass Palatine Hill where the elites of Rome would watch over the world's most powerful city and where Christian martyrs had been set on fire in order to light up Nero's drunken parties. You'd walk past local theaters and hear, hear crowds of roaring and retelling the stories about the, of Roman's history and how great Rome is. You pass a group of Roman soldiers taking a break from enforcing peace in the world. You know the kind of peace that had crucified a Jewish rabbi named Jesus about 25 years earlier. You continue on past the Circus Maximus, a giant chariot racing stadium, and where, gladi- where gladiators were, and you realize other believers had just been killed there because they were disloyal to the empire. You walk past of temples, you walk past dozens of temples, Roman gods, houses of prostitution, images of the emperor on buildings, temples, coins, and benches, and then enter a house where believers are meeting to worship Jesus as Lord, and you seek first his kingdom. There, one of the elders announced that Paul has written a letter to your church. Then he reads, do not let the world fit you into its mold, but let, trans- let it be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, a first century Christian, would, would, would not have thought of one immediate social or political issue when hearing these words. Instead, you would have been overwhelmed with the reality that everything in your life, history, institutions, practices, values, lifestyle of this empire were working in unity to conform me to become a normal Roman citizen. But Paul says, don't be conformed. You know, as a Christ follower, there's nothing supposed to be normal about us. We're called to break the mold. And if we're going to break the mold, the first thing we have to do is we have to make room. Make room in our hearts. The, the challenge that we have is there's too much mixture in our lives. And trying to figure out certain things and try to understand culture and understand Christianity. And so in Romans 12, what I hear Paul saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the word. What I hear him saying, I just had this phrase, taking out the trash. <laughs> taking out. Now, I don't want you to have this attitude about the world that everyone's evil. That's not my point. That everyone's bad. The thing is, is we love the world. 
The issue we is, is we don't let the world shape our values and shape our life. Renewing our minds is the way where we start thinking differently and living differently. How do we break the mold that the world's trying to put us into? Go to Colossians 3, and I'm going to be quick with this. Colossians 3. Thank you, Father. So in order for us to be transformed, what do we have to do? Take out the trash. That's, that's, that's what renewing the mind is. But re- renewing the mind is, there's different aspects of renewing the mind. And, and I've written things there in your paper. Um, there's, there's, there's five things there. So you don't need to write anything down here. But So just listen. What do we need to re- renew our mind to? The first thing, verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. So the first thing we have to do is to renew your mind is remember your position. Seek things. If you're risen with Christ, that's your position. Seek those things that are above. I'm not seeking, I'm not seeking to see how I can fit in with the world. I'm seeking that. And I believe as you seek him, he will put you in a place where you can influence the world. Jesus attracted the world. But he wasn't like the world. People flocked to him. People surrounded him. But he wasn't like the world. He was different than the world. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits. The second thing is, is renew. Renew a proper focus. Number two says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. In order to renew my mind, it's where I've got to set my affections. Above. The word. I need to set my affection on things above, not on things of this earth. So the first one is remember your position. Second is renew a proper focus. Verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, the members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, ordinary affection, evil, uh, concupiscence, whatever that word is, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For these things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. Number three is recognized it's not worth going back. Recognize it's not worth going back. So remember your position. You're seated. Number two, renew your focus. Set your attention on him. Number three, recognize it's not worth going back. Because verse five says, mortify, therefore, your members. Verse eight, but now, you're also, now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So number four is release. Put off the old ways. Put off the old ways. And number five, verse 10 says, and, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. So the fifth, fifth thing is replace. There's a new way of living. So in order to not be conformed to this world, We need to remember our position. We're risen with him. We need to set our focus, renew a proper focus. Number three, recognize it's not worth going back. Number four, release, put off the old ways. And number five, replace, because there's there's a new way of living. Hallelujah. 
Go to First Peter chapter 2, and I'll close with this scripture, and we'll break up into some groups. First Peter chapter 2. Hallelujah. Not, be fit in, not to fit into this world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Verse 10, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Thank God that we've obtained mercy. Verse 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you, that word beseech again, as strangers and pilgrims, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. I mean, this is all, uh, you're, 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 you're just passing through here. You're, 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 you're a, a stranger, you're a pilgrim. So abstain, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Now listen, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Now get this, whereas they speak against you as evildoers. See, this is the world in you. This is a, this is a combination, the world and us, the world and the church. The world is going to speak evil of you. They may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I believe there is a way for us to live in this world, but yet in a different mold. It says the world is, is, is going to think you're an evildoer. The world is not going to get you. The world's not going to understand you. But it says, you know what? It says in the last day, they're going to glorify God. I believe there's a way that we're to live as men where it causes other around us to glorify God. Amen. Breaking the mold, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. Hallelujah. By him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, at this time I want, I want us to break up in groups and, and I have a uh, different leader. So if I, as leaders, I put you together just, um, Rick, what's the best way just for them to get chairs and kind of huddle up in a, in a, in a circle. So we have uh, Ryan and Jeremiah or a group. I've got Philip and Troy are a group over here. I've got, um, uh, Matt and, um, who'd I team you up with? Richard over here. Hallelujah. Jim, uh, Vic and, and Jim Gordon, um, back here. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to break up in your groups and, and on your paper there, there's a couple questions. And I, I want us to take some time to, to ask some of these questions. One question is, how has culture shaped your life in a negative way? Now, I, 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 I really want to preface this. I don't want you to, this isn't to be, be long, drawn-out sob stories that we tell each other. Just, just real briefly, something that you can remember in culture that has shaped and it's shaped your life in a negative way. And the second question is, our goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. What are some attributes of Jesus you would like to see in your life in a greater way in 2018? All right, so let's go ahead and, and break up in the groups. Let's see. What's that? Groups of about five. No. No, you don't have to have the same group that you had last month. So how has culture shaped your life in a negative way? And number two, our goal was to be conformed to the image of Jesus. What are some attributes of Jesus you would like to see in your life in a greater way in 2018? 
Yeah, we're gonna we're about to dismiss and just want to. Um, I, I, I like seeing you all communicate and talk. I think it's great. I think it's a great dynamic. And and uh, do you enjoy tonight? You get something from tonight? Um, just a couple things. Just the assignments so between now and uh, February first. February first is our next meeting. Is you know we talked about attributes of becoming more like Christ. I encourage you to find a scripture about Christ that has to do with that attribute. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. And where's the will of God known? It's the word. So when you see it in the word, you say, okay, that's how Christ lived. Let me put my heart on that. Let me, let me see. I, w- I would like to become like that. Uh, also, I put placed a book in your hands. Um, it's, a, it's Dr. Savelle's first book that he wrote, actually. It's called The Established Heart. And uh, like I said, just, just read chapter one. I mean, it's not necessarily a homework assignment. It's, this is for your furthering growth, just, just to give you something, place them in your hands for just uh, further uh, spiritual growth. And also physical-wise, healthy. Uh, look at ways to reduce your sugar intake and get your heart rate up 15 to 20 minutes, four to five times a week. All right, so so just this, we're not just about spiritual, but you're also about physical, right? So, <laughs> what's that? If you if you double the heart rate, can I eat the same sugar? Okay, well, don't triple the heart rate because you might pass out. But <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, love you guys. Um, appreciate you all. Thanks for for giving your uh, Thursday night out, uh, out. And just remember, um, also for um, you know for girlfriends, the women's Bible study. When they have a Bible study, and um, I want to encourage you if you because we're having issues sometimes with childcare for the women. So if you have the ability to watch your children, you know, on on girlfriends nights, make sure you do that because um, it's a free up so we can see actually how many kids we people we need to watch children on those nights. Other than that, um, also I believe there's some forms last time that Rick had handed out about areas of being involved in the church and, and different aspects. If you didn't turn one of those in, you can still get those into us, and we'll be contacting you about that. Um, other than that, we love you guys. We'll see you on Sunday. Don't forget worship night Sunday night as well. Bring your family. Other than that, love you all. Uh, is there anything specific you need to do with the chairs? Just line the chairs up back, back up like they were before. Also, there's a kids' meeting for camp um, directly after service on Sunday as well. Any questions? You can turn your pins in on the way out.